Hoffman loses control of the puck and goes to the far board. Here's Gerald with a turnaround shot deflected to the backboard on the left side. Martin pokes it out in front. O'Shea, a shot and a goal! Welcome to A Shot and a Goal, part of the On the Air Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 42 of A Shot and a Goal, the podcast about hockey broadcasters. My name is Jake Baskin. It's the new year. The World Juniors is on. Go Team USA. The NHL is back in nine days as of today. Ryan O'Reilly and Jared Spurgeon are now captains of their respective teams. Henrik Lundqvist and Jonathan Taves are unfortunately out for the time being. We're still waiting on Matt Barzell to be signed. We're still waiting on who the Lightning's next TV play-by-play announcer is. People are talking about a Hallmark movie featuring the Rangers. You know, it feels almost back to normal right now. Maybe I don't really know what normal is because it's been 10 months since we had normal, but it seems like we're getting closer. I've been holding on to this interview for about two months now. It wasn't on purpose, it's just when I could get it out. For that, I apologize to Ryan Vallon, the voice of the Bowling Green Falcons. Now, we've had a few Bowling Green alums on this podcast before, but what makes this episode different from all 41 that preceded it is this is the first current college student to ever appear on a shot in a goal. Ryan is in his fourth season as the main play-by-play voice of the hockey team there and is well set up for a job in the minors after he graduates in the spring. Ryan is a Massachusetts guy, but he talks about why he chose to go to college in small-town Ohio. I'll give you a hint. It's hockey. And we talk about the valuable experience he got before he was even thinking about college. We also discuss his interview of one Doc Emmerich after he announced his retirement a few months ago. And we talked for about an hour on the phone after this interview concluded. I'm not going to spend too much longer on this intro. You came to hear the interview, so here it is. This is Ryan Vallon from Bowling Green State University on episode 42 of A Shot and a Goal. Johnson thought the puck was coming back the other way. Cruz tries to feed it to Johnson. Johnson has it walking along, shoots and scores! Max Johnson, 58 seconds into double overtime, and Bowling Green picks up five out of a possible six points here in the Upper Peninsula. Hi, and welcome to episode 42 of A Shot and a Goal, part of the On the Air Podcast Network. My name is Jake Baskin. And my guest from the Bowling Green Falcons, it's been a pattern we've had here over the last half of this show, Ryan Vallon. How's it going, Ryan? Good. How are you, Jake? Thank you for having me. Um, It's pretty good. I finally, a couple weeks ago, called my first period of hockey since February. So that was... That, hey, that, that's awesome. I mean, you know, we're, we're going to be starting up pretty soon. So uh, I'm happy to see that. All of my colleagues around college hockey, junior hockey, high school, pro hockey are uh, starting to uh, get back to work and uh, get back in the broadcast booth. Okay, let's start. How does it feel to be following a hockey team around again? Uh, Pretty good, I'm telling you. Uh, I mean, you know, we had the shutdown back in March, and I mean, everything just kind of stopped. And, you know, you went through the rest of March, April, May, June, July, I mean, you know, the NHL came back, which is good. Uh, but, you know, when you're following your own team, uh, it just doesn't compare. So now being able to get back into the rink, I've just been back to the rink this week, uh, being able to, to watch the team practice and uh, take some notes, see the incoming freshman come in for, for Bowling Green. 
Uh, not allowed to approach the players or the coaching staff as of right now. Everything is going to be done virtually, but uh, it feels pretty good. And uh, first game's coming up, so um, you know I'm just really excited. I've been waiting for this for I think it's been 245 days since Bowling Green last played a game. Um, even though they're going to be opening up exhibition against the U.S. national team, uh, and the game you know really doesn't matter from a stat standpoint. Um, it's just a way to, to get back on the ice. So exhibition, regular season, non-conference, whatever it is, uh, it's going to be good to uh, – it's probably really good for the players, too, to get back onto the ice and also good for the coaches to, you know, do their thing behind the bench, good for the staff to get back to a sense of normalcy, and then also good for the broadcasters to put on the headset and at least call some hockey, whether it's meaningful or not. What made you want to get into broadcasting, and when did you realize you wanted to do it? Yeah, so I wanted to get into broadcasting at a, a very young age. Uh, I mean, being a hockey guy, uh, the first thing you wanted to do when you grow up is uh, be, an, be an NHL hockey player. And I realized fairly quickly that that was just not going to happen. Um, you know, I, I, I liked playing hockey. I love playing hockey, and, and, and I um, wasn't the best at it. So I really early on, around freshman year of high school, um, I decided, you know what, I, di- I didn't even make the varsity team at our high school hockey team. So I was just like, oh, okay, what else can I do? Uh, I really want to stay in the sport. And I figured, well, I could become a coach, but usually coaches are former players. So that's probably not going to work. I could become a general manager of a team, but general managers are really smart. And I don't think I could bear the weight of having all this pressure being on me and, you know, being, uh, you know, tasked to, to form a team. And I've always kind of enjoyed broadcasting. I always thought that my voice was, was uh, pretty decent enough that I could at least work on it. And so from then on, I'm freshman year of high school. I decided, you know what, I want to become a sports announcer, specifically hockey. I grew up in Massachusetts, Littleton, Massachusetts, uh, so hockey in the Northeast is definitely popular, uh, one of the most popular sports, uh, you know, so being from the Northeast and, uh, from there, I, I just tailored high school around what I wanted to do. And that was broadcast sports. I did a whole bunch of sports. I did football, basketball, baseball, softball. I even did lacrosse. Lacrosse was really fun because, uh, lacrosse was almost like hockey in a way. It had some of the same terms and uh, they're almost alike, uh, but hockey was obviously my niche, and that's what I wanted to do. And uh, you know, came to Bowling Green, and, and now on my this is my senior year, and uh, this will be my fourth year broadcasting Division One college hockey. So definitely well on my way in my career to uh, becoming a professional hockey broadcaster. But uh, the road has only just begun, and I still have so much ahead of me. I call a lot of different sports. I love calling lacrosse, and I wish I got more of a chance to do that this year before the season shut down. Who have been the biggest influences on your career and your style? Yeah, so uh, I've had a few different uh, influences. Uh, I would say the main influence would have to be Jack Michaels in Edmonton. Previous uh, guest. The, the radio the radio voice, yes. The radio voice of the Edmonton Oilers. And it was actually funny, when I sent my demo tape out, uh, this summer when uh, we had the, the original COVID-19 shutdown, uh, I sent my tape around to every broadcaster in the NHL. And the most common feedback that I got uh, was that I sound kind of like Jack Michaels. Now, 
that's a good sign, but it's also kind of a, a, a warning sign for me that I can't necessarily copy Jack, and that's not what I'm doing. I'm more or less um, taking a little bit of his style and making it my own style. So I'm hoping that uh, everyone is able to hear that, that I'm just not Jack Michaels Jr. in a way, uh, although it is a tremendous honor. Uh, to uh, kind of sound like him, but I'm trying to define my own career. But Jack is definitely you know, an, an, an influence. Another influence, uh, one mentor of mine is Dave Gosher. At the time, he was the former radio voice of the Boston Bruins, and now he's the television voice uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. So he's definitely someone that I look up to. And then, of course, you know, if you're in Bowling Green, can you not look at Mike Doc Emmerich, uh, the most recent uh, Hall of Fame broadcaster to uh, retire? Uh, and I actually sat down with Doc, uh, with Doc not too long ago and was able to talk about his career and his path that uh, came through Bowling Green. That's why he's known as Doc. Uh, so Doc is definitely something. I think Doc is someone that everybody looks up to. But if you're going to be putting on the headset and you're going to be calling the Bowling Green State University Falcons, you know, Doc Emmerich is definitely someone that you look up to. Tell me about how you set up that interview with Doc Emmerich. I originally had this question much later, but you opened it up. So how did that interview come about? And I don't know if it was set up through the school. How were you given the assignment? And was it tough at that time not like really fanboying over certainly the greatest announcer to come from this side of the border? Yeah, so uh, when Doc initially announced his retirement, I knew he was going to be getting uh, plenty of inter interview requests. And uh, and I saw one by one, you know, reading story after story. He goes on, uh, does podcasts, he does radio shows, he did TV interviews, and he was just doing a whole bunch. And it was probably about the Thursday, so he retired on a Monday. I'll never forget waking up and seeing that, uh, scrolling through my Twitter notifications and seeing that and just being like, wow. But that was the uh, Wednesday or Thursday afterwards. And um, I remember see, because I knew Doc, uh, he, well, first of all, Doc came to Bowling Green uh, my freshman year uh, of college. So he came here February of 2017. So I got to meet him and I got to talk to him. And since then, we've exchanged emails back and forth. Um, I sent him my demo. He's able to uh, critique it, uh, and I definitely value his critiques. So uh, the when when he announced his retirement, I saw that he was getting all these interview requests, and I noticed that he kind of talked about Bowling Green, but not too much in depth. He was like, "Yep, I went here, got my doctorate. That's why they call me Doc." So on and so forth. And I was like, "You know what?" And I looked around, and I'm like, "There's no one in this area that's." jumping on this opportunity. So I sent him an email and I said, Doc, uh, would you mind doing a Zoom interview? I'd love to do it. Love to talk about your time in Bowling Green. Uh, let me know. And he sent me one back and he said, absolutely. Uh, go through this person through, because uh, he wrote a book through Triumph Books. And he said, contact this person and they will get you in. Contacted them and they said, all right, Ryan, you're going to be doing it next week on Thursday at 11 a.m. And I said, awesome. So from uh, from then, uh, from that time until then, uh, just, you know, preparing my interview, preparing some questions that I was going to ask. Uh, and then eventually the day came down to it and was able to sit down with him. Uh, and then to answer your second part, uh, I wasn't necessarily trying to control my fanboy. 
um, because over my experiences, I shadowed Dave Gosher multiple times when he was the radio voice of the Bruins, and I got to um, uh, you know meet people uh, like famous Bruins. I got to one time sit down and eat dinner, the media meal, next to Cam Neely. Like, like that is incredible. So I'm able to kind of corral myself. I'm able to go up to the ninth floor of the garden, and I'm seeing one of my favorite players of all time was Andrew Ferentz growing up for the Bruins. And I saw Andrew Ferentz walking across the ninth floor. That was probably the closest I've ever gotten to try to control my fanboy. But, I mean, I got to see general managers and, and scouts and all that, other broadcasters. So I controlled my fanboyness pretty well. So when it came time for the interview for Doc, it was it wasn't hard to uh, to control that, but it was still awesome to talk to a very distinguished Bowling Green alum, nonetheless. I get that. I mean, this podcast has certainly made talking to NHL announcers or the idea of it a lot easier. I still think if I ever got in contact with Jim Houston, it would be too much for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jim is. Uh, Jim Houston is, is also one of the other greatest announcers. And, you know, we've been so lucky, Jake, that, you know, we have grown up in a period of great hockey announcers. So, I mean, for Bob Cole, Jim Houston, Doc Emmerich, I mean, the list just goes on and on with great guys. And um, hopefully you and I are going to be uh, the, the next names added to those lists down the, down the road. So, um, you know, if, if I ever got to talk to Jim Houston, that would be awesome too. Uh, of course, being an American, you know, we're – you know, we grew up with Doc Emmerich. A lot of those Canadians grew up with Jim Houston and uh, Bob Cole. But uh, still, I think Houston is also one of the greatest announcers, too. I got to check off Kenny Albert for my bucket list. That was, I guess, the most I had to tell myself to calm down. <laughs> you know, I'm always interested in those who started broadcasting in high school in large part because of personal experience. I have a number of friends, especially since I moved to Connecticut at age 19, who do that and have done that. And I wanted to at my school, but I never got the chance for a variety of different reasons. I know you made a conscious effort, but how did you end up putting that plan into motion? Did you have to set up your own equipment and streaming platform or was there a way locally like a small television station that provided you the opportunity to call games in high school? You know what, Jake? That's an excellent question, and this is something that I would urge everyone to do if you're in high school and you're looking to get into the broadcasting field. So I was able to – I was lucky enough that we had a small local access uh, public television station. Um, so it was the type of TV station – you know when you're flipping through the channels and it's like channel 9, channel 10, and the quality is usually not that good and it's usually some boring town meeting that's airing. Those, uh, those channels are where I got my start on. And so I knew that not a lot of eyes and ears would be on me. So I was able to make some mistakes and I wouldn't be ridiculed. I wouldn't be trending on Twitter for making a mistake uh, like you see with the national broadcasters. So I was able to do that. And uh, a very nice man by the name of Mark Crory for Littleton Community Television, LCTV, I remember getting in contact with him freshman year of high school, and I said, uh, you know, hi, Mark. My name is Ryan Vallon. I'm a freshman at Littleton High School. Uh, I'm really interested in getting into sports broadcasting, uh, doing play-by-play. 
Uh, I don't have a lot of experience, none to be exact, but I don't have a lot of experience. Uh, I was wondering if I could, uh, you know, maybe broadcast some high school sports. And he said, absolutely, we would love to have that. So our high school, the only coverage that we ever had for sports was football. And usually it was, uh, you know, one of the dads who went up and, you know, they put on the headset and they just call the action and that was, that was it. So I was able to come in and kind of uh, redefine how LCTV covers high school sports. And um, I was basically a trendsetter. I mean, I was the one that kind of paved the way. We, we weren't doing football. Uh, we were doing football, but we weren't doing hockey. We weren't doing baseball. We weren't doing basketball. We weren't doing softball. We weren't doing lacrosse. So I basically went around and I said, hey, can we do these sports? I would love to get the experience. And obviously hockey was my number one, but I knew from people that I had talked to, professionals in this industry that I had talked to that you can't just win on hockey alone. You have to be able to do all kinds of sports. Not only did I broadcast those sports by doing play-by-play, but I was also anchoring. So our high school had a student newscast and I was the sports, uh, the sports, uh, 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 sports producer for that. So I would be the one uh, that I would write the copy. I would uh, sit down, put on a nice uh, shirt and tie and a jacket and sit down and I, and I would read the sports. I would do highlights. So you have to be able to do kind of everything. Um, so I initially started in television. And it wasn't live television. It was live tape, meaning that you uh, tape it and then tape it as if it were live. And then you would go back and kind of edit it and just make sure that it looks good. And then you would put it on TV afterwards. Uh, but when I got to Bowling Green, uh, radio was really calling my name. And I remember hearing a lot of NHL broadcasters say, yeah, radio is where you're really going to cut your teeth in uh, to get into this industry. And, and, and they're not wrong. They're actually right uh, doing radio. And you have to be very, very descriptive. TV, you can get away with a lot. You can go a few seconds uh, 10, 15 seconds without saying anything, you can be less descriptive, but on radio, and especially in a fast sport like hockey, I mean, it's left side, right side. I mean, you have to be very, very descriptive. So really to circle back and answer your whole question, uh, getting the start with my local television station and being uh, afforded the opportunity to broadcast those sports. Um, and I'm very, very grateful that I was able to do that. And uh, that's how I got my start. I've had two guests in the past who went to Bowling Green, Evan Pivnik and Everett Fitzhugh, and they called hockey there. You're from Massachusetts. Why did you choose to go to school in Ohio, and what other schools were you considering? Yeah, so that's a question I get all the time. And, uh, of course, uh, Evan uh, is from uh, New York, so not too too far. He's only a few hours away from me, but he's from Oceanside, New York, uh, which is on Long Island. Um, and Everett is, I believe, from the Metro Detroit area, so right. not too, too far for him. Uh, but really, I looked into, when I when I was getting to junior year to senior year of high school, I looked at where can I go to college? And uh, I had a pretty unique battle plan for that, and that was look up my favorite sports broadcasters and look up where they went to college. And Doc Emmerich was the first one on my list, and I saw that he went to Bowling Green. When I was looking at different schools, I wanted to see what schools offered student broadcasts that were really good and that also had a hockey team that also the students are the official broadcast. 
And Bowling Green was the only school that had all of that. The other school I looked at for a brief moment was Ryerson University. Oh, in Toronto. Toronto. Right. Yeah, yeah, Ryerson. And my dad and I actually went there uh, to tour, and I I really like the school. I mean, it's right in downtown Toronto. And I would have probably had the opportunity to broadcast some of the Ryerson Rams uh, hockey games. But, I mean, no one really looks at uh, you know, U sports in Canada. Really, if you want to play hockey in Canada, you play major junior. Uh, but in the United States, it's NCAA. That's the way it rules. Uh, but I was able to, uh, I really only applied to those two schools. Everything else, I was like, no, I really want to bank on these two schools. And uh, I got into Bowling Green. And from there, then I just started working the phones. And I called um, some people in athletic communications asking, uh, could I possibly do the hockey games? And they said, well, we already have a guy right now, Evan. And uh, in my freshman year, that was Evan's senior year. So I got in contact with Evan, and he said, hey, yeah, come on aboard. And, you know, maybe I'll be able to do some color, uh, be, be a color analyst for, for a few games, kind of learn the ropes. And when Evan graduates – then I would become a sophomore, and who knows? Maybe I could take over the job, and that is exactly what happened. So uh, I owe a lot to Evan. Uh, I was able to look up to him, and I still look up to him. Uh, you know, he's in the ECHL and Adirondack right now. Um, and, of course, I look up to Everett, although I've never met Everett in person. I definitely look up to him. You know, he's definitely achieved a lot of success, and I wish him even more success, and, uh, you know, I'm proud to call him a colleague and a, and a fellow Bowling Green uh, Falcon. So, uh, but yeah, that's ultimately why I decided on Bowling Green. It's, um, you know, I get that question asked all the time. You're from New England. Why? I mean, you have so many good broadcasting schools around you, like Boston University and Emerson and this and that and this and that. Now, why'd you choose Bowling Green? And I say, well, to do, to broadcast the hockey games. That's ultimately why I'm here to broadcast the hockey games and get a good education. Got to say that for my mom. You know, got to get a good education too. So, uh, but mainly to broadcast those hockey games, and and even when I was talking about it with Doc Emmerich, believe it or not, Doc's first game when he called some Bowling Green hockey was Bowling Green versus Ryerson, which <laughs> I thought was incredible. Uh, and we and in the interview, I talked about it with with Doc, and, and I said, yeah, you know what? I was between Ryerson and Bowling Green. He goes, you made the right choice. I'm sure previous guest Dave Randorf would dispute that, but uh, that's that's an awesome story. You had a much better plan for college than I did. I have not had a current college student on this podcast, and I think that is mostly on purpose because I want people to write their stories more, but you've written a pretty good story. But now that I'm interviewing a current college student, how in normal times do you balance school and calling hockey? Yeah, that has been really, really tough on me. And, you know, I'll, I'll get it out in the open. This is my fifth year. I am taking a fifth year because uh, you're probably listening to this and saying, well, if Ryan was a freshman in 2016, but he's going to be a senior this fall, the math doesn't add up. you got to add an extra year. So, yeah, I'll tell you what, Jake, it's, it, it, it was really, really hard on me because, I mean, you're sitting down and you obviously want to call – but school does come first. And I learned the hard way um, that, you know, school does come first. And I mean, there'd be times where, you know, I have a, I have an assignment that's due 
uh, at midnight, and instead I'm working on my rosters. I'm working on my my uh, the, the the tracks that I'm going to be using for the broadcast. I'm working on all that type of stuff. So um, it's really really tough. And this year, I, I was hoping that I would be able to balance it better. Um, obviously, we have we've had the, the coronavirus pandemic, so we haven't had any hockey. So now with hockey coming back, it's going to be interesting to see how I'm able to, to handle that. But last year, I'll tell you, I was able to roll back my enrollment instead of taking five classes. So in, in, in case I know other schools do it differently, Bowling Green does it normally uh, 15 credit hours per semester. That's about uh, five classes for three credit hours per class. I know other schools do it differently. Um, instead of doing 15 credit hours, I would do 12. Um, so that's four classes and I'm able to balance that as well as doing some online classes because some of the attendance hurt. And it's not just the attendance points, but when you go to class, you actually absorb information there. And when you're not in class, because, I mean, there were weeks uh, that I just wouldn't show up to class, not because I didn't want to, but because I was traveling, uh, because the travel schedule for, for the hockey team, we would leave on Wednesday, Wednesday in some cases, like going to Alaska. We would leave Wednesday and get there late Wednesday night and then practice Thursday game, Friday game, Saturday, we would leave uh, Saturday or early Sunday morning, uh, and then we wouldn't be back in Bowling Green by Sunday by dinner time. So you're gone Wednesday through Sunday. And not to mention, you got to do all the coursework as well. Some of your professors and instructors are, are, are lenient, saying, hey, no problem, we understand you're traveling. Uh, others are not, and it's, you know, you have to abide by their guidelines. Um, so it's really tough. I, I, I have been able to, to turn it around. I, I was not doing great academically, and that almost got me in trouble with the university. Uh, but since then, I have made the dean's list. And currently, as of right now, I have straight A's going into the final few weeks of this fall semester. So definitely proud of myself. And really, it's just time management. It's, it's really time management, and you have to prioritize uh, your tasks. And I understand that, you know, hockey is what you want to do. But even Doc Emmerich said this in the interview, you have to keep your grades up in order to call the hockey games. I learned that the hard way, and I'm able to now uh, pull straight A's so far and uh, head into the first week of, uh, of the games that we have scheduled for, for Bowling Green Hockey. I think you and I have similar stories academically. I'll talk about it more off the air, but I'm 24 and a college junior, so no judgment here. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, one thing that I have learned about college is that, you know, it doesn't matter what age you are. I mean, I mean it's really funny. I go into, to, I go into class and uh, I see people that are in their 30s and I see people that are married and have children, um, you know, just – and, and I, I don't I don't judge by that. I look more at it as, wow, that's awesome that you're in school, you want to be in school, and you want to finish or get your degree. Uh, and I really respect those individuals, no matter how old you are, how young you are, just, just being there and wanting to learn and get your degree uh, is just amazing. Well, this is your last year at school. Obviously, the plan is to continue pursuing a path in hockey. What do you have in mind for, I guess, your application process? Are there any things you're going to research before sending out the applications or 
How are you going to tackle the post-college application process? And I guess when are you going to start? Well, I've already kind of started. Um, some teams that I've looked at, which the positions have now been filled. I mean, you kind of just throw your resume out there and in and, and your demo and see if there are any bites. Uh, maybe you do get a job before you graduate. Probably not going to happen for me, which I'm okay with. And, you know, I've come this far, and, you know, for my degree progress. Uh, it would be something not to get it. So uh, I will do that. But really, it's just, uh, you know, put, put a list together. And I've already put a spreadsheet in place of the jobs that I'm looking at. Really, what I'm looking at is the obvious thing to do is you jump up from college to the ECHL and then potentially the American Hockey League and then the NHL. I've always told people that my career will kind of reflect a little bit with what a player goes through. After college, you go to the minors and you work your way up from there, and hopefully one day you get the call to the NHL. Now, in this coronavirus pandemic, that has thrown a wrench into every single plan imaginable. Um, we're not even sure if leagues and teams are able to come back for this current season, let alone next year. We don't know if teams are able to, um, survive financially. We're not even, uh, sure if the broadcasters in those positions will be able to hold on to their jobs, uh, whether or not those teams will fold up. Uh, we don't know fold up. We just don't know that. So there's a lot of unknown. There, there's already a lot of unknown when you're entering the real world, going from college to, to you know, to, to the working uh, environment. Now adding in coronavirus, uh, there's just there's it's, you know, double uh, the unknown. So in terms of that, I'm, I'm coming up with backup plans. I've always liked the production side of things, especially on the TV side. I've taken some courses here at Bowling Green that we deal with production. So. Potentially, that's a backup option, but I built a spreadsheet, like I was mentioning, and I'm listing all the places that I will be applying to um, and places that I've already applied to, and then you just cross them off the list, uh, you know, state where they are, the job, the role, uh, the salary, that's definitely important, um, and then the status of it, whether you applied, uh, pending, rejected, all that stuff. So. You know, putting a spreadsheet in place and then kind of just looking around. I haven't looked around for too many jobs right now because we're still in the fall semester. Uh, and then once the spring semester kicks into high gear, and then maybe once we get to March, April, then I'll still be then that that'll be kicked into to an even higher gear, and uh, we'll we'll get going on that. But uh, it's it's always important to start the process now, so this way. Uh, come May, when you know you do hopefully walk across that stage, and hopefully it's not virtually, uh, and you're able to, to receive your diploma, uh, you already have a plan in place, and you're already saying, all right, I've got this job lined up, I'm going to be going here, making this much, doing this, and uh, that's the ultimate goal, but um, you know that's uh, still ahead of me. All right, Ryan, thank you for participating in this interview. And coming on a shot and a goal, episode 42. I hope you have a good day, and I certainly think I'll see you down the road someday. Absolutely. Thank you, Jake, so much for the opportunity. That was Ryan Vallon, student at Bowling Green State University and voice of the Falcons hockey team. Thanks to him for coming on. 
you know, I try to take at least one thing away from each interview, and that thing this time is the future of hockey broadcasting is in very good hands. I've had a bunch of people under 30 on this show, as well as the youngest play-by-play guy in the NHL, and when guys like Ryan come on here and show not just their talent for calling hockey, but their knowledge and appreciation of the craft, really makes me feel that there will still be tremendous play-by-play guys long after the likes of Houston and Cuthbert and Forsland retire. That'll do it for episode 42 of A Shot and a Goal. You can follow me on Twitter at JakeBaskinPXP. Up next, you'll hear from Alex Heinert, the television announcer for the North Dakota Fighting Hawks, who spent most of December in the NCHC pod in Omaha, Nebraska. After that, I don't have any interviews scheduled, so if you're a hockey broadcaster and you'd like to come on, I'd like to hear from you. See you next time.